Today's reading of the scriptures is from uh, Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 18, and Matthew 25, 31 through 46, known as the Judgment of Nations. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphans and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. And now from Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> for you, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that you, we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is a reading from the word of the Lord.
My name is Guadalupe, and I want you to know my story. My story is about danger and even terror, but also a small bit of triumph. I want you to know my story because it is not just my story, but it's the story of so many of my people who have risked everything to escape crushing poverty. And not just my people, but immigrants from all the world, my ancestors and yours, who simply want more than anything, a chance to be what they know they can be. You know, one harrowing border crossing is one too many for most of us. But as my life unfolded in a small old Mexican village, it would become my destiny to survive two crossings in my struggle to become a citizen of America. It's that familiar story of the drunken, erratic father, abusive in every way imaginable, forcing me to keep a shameful secret for years. My mother, Carmen, tried to protect my brother Sal and me, and herself, but it was hard. The year I turned eight was the year my mama took Sal and me, and we ran. For years, we barely made it, living in a relative's windowless shed. Poor, yes, but free from dread, at least for the moment. But then my father begged to rejoin our family. He promised to change his ways. And he kept his promises for a time before it all started again, only worse. In the end, he abandoned us with all his gambling debts and we lost everything. Now destitute, visions of a land of hope and opportunity seem to linger just over the horizon, offering sanctuary. We felt it deep in our souls. In spite of the horrifying stories we heard, we knew the time had come to find a coyote, you know, a smuggler, and try our escape to America.
brave Sal, only 15, crossed first. He suffered extreme hunger, thirst, and fatigue, but luckily he made it past the border with no problem. The journey would not be so easy for Mama and me. We endured a grueling three-day bus trip, a rat-infested motel room with 23 others, and truck rides that jarred our bones. But the most painful of all was the walking. Always at night, no food and very little water. We hid in farm outbuildings for short rests, hoping against hope the farmers wouldn't find us. Mama began to fail and feared she wouldn't make it. I helped to hold her up and urged her on, reminding her of our dreams. Some could walk no more on their blistered feet and simply stayed there in the country, gradually fading into the distance. I never knew their fate. Then we sneaked through a town, scrambling to hide at the sight of anyone. Only eight made it through and were crammed into the back seat and trunk of a car, driving for hours until the driver spotted a checkpoint, switched gears and raced backwards for a few miles before dumping us out to begin another long, agonizing walk. We were now four days into our odyssey. Now another room, another town, another barn, and another pair of coyotes who drank until they passed out. We devoured what little food and water we could find in the room. At dark, we shook the drivers awake and piled into a truck for the four-hour trip into California. At last, exhausted, feet bloodied, insect-bitten, starved, and thirsty, we were actually in America. And our reunion with Sal was pure joy.
family shared their studio apartment with us. For two years, seven people crowded together in that one small room, sleeping anywhere we could find a spot. Hard work and high hopes kept us going. We worked long days for very little pay, but we managed to save some here and there. We found better jobs and were promoted. Sal found a job at a restaurant and eventually became top chef. I passed my GED and wanted to go to college, but being illegal, I couldn't. But then I fell in love with the dashing Diego, married and had two sons. Once Diego achieved citizenship, he hired a lawyer to petition for mine. During this time, I got into college by learning to avoid legality issues. Life seemed good. Unbelievably, through a legal snafu, Diego was deported. I felt I had no choice but to take my sons and follow my husband, and I found myself right back where I started. Diego couldn't find work, became depressed and angry. Divorce followed. I got a job teaching school and accepted that I would never leave. That wasn't to be either. Mama wrote me that she had cancer and I knew she needed me. So I knew that I had to try to cross again. Against all my instincts, I tracked down my father, now a US citizen, and asked him for help. This time, he came through. He took my two legal sons to a hotel in Southern California to wait for me to cross. But the fear that my father may have not changed and might abuse my sons consumed me. I had to get there and fast. My father hired a coyote. We drove to the border, then walked in the oppressive heat, searching for a place to cross a raging river and hopefully get past border patrol. Just before dawn, we struggled to the other side into California, and our last great obstacle, an eight-lane freeway which we somehow had to navigate. Quickly, we turned toward what seemed to be a roaring beast. He told me, ignore the cars and just run when I tell you. I knew that many immigrants before us died on this freeway. Ran as fast as I could. Cars swerved around me, horns blaring. At the median, I, I just froze, sobbing. Then, at the thought of my sons, I ran again. I've never been so terrified. And no sooner had I made it across and rejoined the coyote when the border patrol spotted us. We ran toward a dry creek bed flung ourselves into a drift of leaves and paralyzed with fright, watched flashlights play over us, saw boots come toward us and pass by. Incredibly, we had not been caught. He looked
looked at me in awe and said, this is a miracle and omen that you will be successful in your life here. I couldn't stop shaking. Then, rising in the distance, I saw the hotel where I knew my sons waited. With renewed strength, I strode forward, keeping my eyes on that hotel until I literally staggered in to kiss my sleeping children. Truly feeling the power of God's presence in this blessed reunion. In the morning, my sons assured that no harm had come to them, and I felt such relief and hope that my father had really changed this time. I went straight to Mama and helped nurse her back to health. Just as I was preparing to start my own new life, still illegal, I began to settle into finding my way in America. 
to make a home and a life for my sons and for me. I applied for a job at an organization where I was promoted, and today I am a manager there. I even was able to save enough for that family home I dreamed about. But I still look over my shoulder with fear. As believe it or not, I am still illegal and fear of deportation overshadows my life every day. It can take 20 years to gain citizenship here. My older son, now 16, can start a petition for me when he becomes 21. In another six years or so, my goal of citizenship might be realized. It really shouldn't be this difficult. But this is my story and the story of so many of my people and yours. Please keep us in your prayers.
take a breath. I did this for 45 years, and that was inevitable. <laughs> Raf gave me the, um, the music and the narrative to Loopy's story that was created by Bob Hurd. Loopy's story is a true story. And of course, it's a story that we read in the newspaper every single day. And we know this is not only at our border, across its full length, but the border between every free country and those that are not free. Then to hear this uh, masterfully done and sung um, to immerse us in the emotion of the reality of it takes us closer than um, reading or observing the news can possibly do. And so it, it's, um, it's a living metaphor of Lupe and millions of refugees. And then to add to on top of that, the reading of Matthew 25, the separating the sheep, sheep and the goats. That is a text that always brings me to my knees. Humorously, I, I noticed that Jenny wasn't here for the reading of that and asked me to convene the table. <laughs> There's something here that is critically important as we come to the table today. As important as ourselves, but much bigger than ourselves. This is not an altar. At an altar, we bring the things that are of our lives to the God present at the altar, and we present them on the altar, and then God consumes them in a fiery way that is somewhat a monstrous image, but it is in our heritage. But Jesus stands it all on its head. Jesus comes and said, this is not an altar. This is a table. And then taking that and pushing that metaphor to its farthest possible extreme, he says, this is my body. You eat it. God does not eat our bodies. We eat God's bodies. What is that? It's a metaphor, an image, a reality that turns everything on its head. The kingdom of God has no borders. When we come to this table, it is for everyone. There are no walls being built. God's kingdom is open to all, everyone who longs for it, as Lupi did, as we do. So this is a political statement. I didn't want to say that, but it is. This is a realm that is not about our politics. It's about one world, one humanity, one creator. 
a table that is the only place on that planet that I know of where all are welcome all the time, regardless of who they are or what they are. Color, race, gender, poverty, suffering, wealth. There is no such place that I know of but here and in every congregation, as well as those who are not part of the faith are welcome. We need that place. That's where we're coming this morning, all of us, as we are, unable to fulfill Matthew 25. I am so grateful that the table follows Matthew 25 because it's the container in which you put Matthew 25 in here. I'm going to call us to prayer, but this prayer is not me saying a lot of words. I'm in this prayer, my intention is to invite us into our own prayers <coughs> before we come to the table. My hope is that all of us will enter into Ricky's experience and then find our own experience as well. And then all come and eat this body. You know, you become what you eat. His life and our life.